KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, July 14th. A mental health program for immigrants. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. City of San Diego police officers are now required to get a warrant to hold on to or search a seized cell phone. The new policy announced yesterday as a result of a lawsuit settlement. The lawsuit alleged that when San Diego police arrested Christina Griffin-Jones at a protest in 2020, they seized her phone and refused to return it for several months after. Starting today, three neighborhood parks will be transformed into community festivals every weekend evening this summer. The Parks After Dark program aims to improve youth mental health and is based on the similar program in L.A., The San Diego festivals will be held at the City Heights, Linda Vista, and Skyline Hills Recreation Centers. They're every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night from 6 to 9 p.m. There will be live entertainment, activities for all ages, games, and free meals for kids. When you think of a basketball court, you think of an arena or maybe an outdoor court at a park. But this Veterans Day, two college basketball teams will be making the top of a San Diego-based aircraft carrier their court. Gonzaga University in Michigan State will be going head-to-head at the 2022 Armed Forces Classic game on the flight deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln at Naval Air Station North Island on November 11th. Both of the team's head coaches said it will be an honor to play in front of our country's men and women in uniform. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. San Diego health officials are monitoring a global monkeypox outbreak. Here in San Diego County, six travel-related cases have been reported as of Friday, and there's no evidence of community spread. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman has more on this. Just like COVID, monkeypox can infect anyone in San Diego County. Nationwide, the CDC reports gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men have made up majority of early cases. But officials stress anyone who comes in close contact with someone who has monkeypox, whether that be sexual or otherwise, can be infected. Ahead of Pride weekend, county health officials are offering monkeypox vaccines to those considered at high risk. 
County Deputy Public Health Officer Dr. Ankita Kadakia says 600 appointments were made available and all of them were quickly filled. This was not a decision that was made solely by the county or a unilateral decision. It was really a collaboration with LGBTQ leaders. I want to be really clear that this is not a disease of gay men or bisexual individuals or transgender individuals. This is a disease that we just happen to be seeing spreading currently. The illness can cause rashes or flu-like symptoms, but most people don't need to be hospitalized. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. And now for a first-hand account. Clark Marino received his monkeypox diagnosis on Tuesday. That will bring the local case count to seven. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen spoke with Marino about his experience. Here's that interview. Clark, thank you so much for talking with us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. First of all, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling really, really well, um, almost fully recovered. There's a few lingering symptoms, but um, I was very, very fortunate to have a very, very mild case. Since I uh, let people know that I had tested positive, um, I did it over my like Instagram and I actually got a lot of people not in San Diego, but outside of it who have let me know that they also have contracted it. And after coming out with my story, I feel much luckier because a lot of people have had terrible symptoms such as full body aches, bad chills, lesions, and pustules appearing all over their body. I know one person had lesions in their throat and they've had um, a very, very hard time swallowing. And so I feel very, very lucky. Walk me through your experience a few weeks ago. Tell me about how and where you think you got exposed to monkeypox. It sort of started with on 4th of July, felt um, a few symptoms, just a little itching, a little irritation. Um, and then it continued for Tuesday, but it was something I could sort of just put out of my mind. But on Tuesday, someone who I was in close contact with at um, in Seattle, at Seattle Pride, let me know that they had just tested positive for monkeypox. I instantly was like, okay, well, maybe this itching has to deal with that. I then got on the phone uh, the next morning with the um, epidemiology department here in San Diego, went over my symptoms with a nurse. She had me do a very thorough self-exam and we did find a lesion. So it was basically too late for me to get the vaccine. The virus had already arisen and it was already time to instead go into isolation and do testing. Tell me more about your experience trying to get tested for monkeypox and tell me how long it took you to actually get the results. I had reached out to my primary care physician, but they let me know that they were unable to do the testing there. And so I had to go to um, a county clinic in order to do the testing there. I will say the testing is not a very fun experience. In order to test, you have to show a lesion. And in order to run the test, they need to break that lesion. So it can be very painful in that one moment, and then that lesion needs to heal again. It's important to get tested, but I will say it was, it's not a fun experience, that's for sure. In order to get my test results, they don't have any local testing here in San Diego. They'll ship the sample to LA, we'll undergo preliminary testing, and then it'll get shipped to the CDC for further testing. I was hoping to get my results back on Saturday or on Monday, but I did not get my test results back on till Tuesday. So um, it took a long time. And with this disease, 
that is of major concern because the incubation period can be as short as five days. It would be ideal to get test results back within a day or two so that your close contacts can then go get vaccinated um, or, you know, be on the lookout. The county has started offering vaccines to people, uh, but we just learned that all of the vaccine appointments are now filled and they're not taking any more people on the wait list. Um, Based on that and on your own personal experience, how prepared do you think San Diego County is to prevent or at least manage this illness? The testing apparatus and getting me in, although it worked very well for me, I was the only case that day that I'm aware of. Um, It took a lot of effort from a lot of people to get one person tested. And so I am afraid that if there are multiple cases, that the process is not streamlined enough. I know that vaccines are sort of controlled by the federal government, so it's really hard there. But one of the things that we could definitely do is try and get uh, testing locally. The fact that it took me close to five days to get my results back, and given that that can be as long as it takes for the virus to appear in other people, and then the vaccine's too late, um, they should try and get it down here as soon as possible. There's a debate going on among public health officials about how much to emphasize the fact that this illness is primarily affecting gay and bi men right now. They want to prepare people who are most at risk, get them informed, but they also don't want to create stigma or, or a perception that this is a gay disease, quote unquote. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that anybody who is paying attention will understand that you know, this is a communicable disease where people come into close contact with each other, either sexually or non-sexually, um, or if someone has uh, lesions in their throat, they can spread it by uh, droplets and face-to-face contact. This is a lot less spreadable than COVID, and it is also a lot less deadly than COVID. So thank God for that. But um, gay men are the most at risk right at this moment, and so they're the most in need of messaging and vaccines. However, unless we can get this contained, this is going to spread into the wider public and probably already has. And so um, this is something that everybody needs to be aware of. What has been the worst part of this experience for you? (laughs) The worst part of this experience has been the symptoms. The itching, being unable to sleep some nights, the pain that has come up with it. I am lucky enough that I work in a, a job that I can work from home. I am lucky enough that I have people that can deliver me groceries while I'm in isolation. Um, So I have a very good support system, but I can only imagine for other individuals who aren't able to stay at home, you know, this is a disease where you sort of have to go into isolation. You'll go into isolation until all your symptoms are fully resolved. So it can be anywhere from a week, a month. It can be very long time. So um, this is really something that people should avoid. And Although I'm like a very healthy individual, um, anybody who has a compromised immune system, they are at risk of developing serious disease. And there there are drugs that might help, experimental drugs, but um, it's something that they should really, really try and avoid and try and get the vaccine as soon as possible. Clark Marino, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I wish you a speedy full recovery. Thank you so much, Andrew. That was Clark Marino speaking with KPBS Metro reporter, Andrew Bowen. Coming up, San Diego hotel employees may strike. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Stay close.
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. While we're right smack in the middle of a busy tourist season and workers at a major downtown San Diego hotel are getting ready to take a strike vote. They rallied at City Hall yesterday and KPBS reporter Jacob Ayers says they got some support from local leaders. Naomi Ponce has been a housekeeper at the Hilton San Diego Bayfront for nine years. She and other unionized workers are demanding what they say is a fair contract. We shouldn't have to work multiple jobs just to get by. The workers from Unite Here Local 30 were joined by San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria, who says his own mother used to clean hotels. He says hotel workers are often a visitor's first impression of the city. Because those visitors to this city leave behind tax revenue that we use to pave roads, uh, pay police officers and firefighters, and keep our libraries and parks open. The union plans a strike authorization vote at the end of this week. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. It looks like San Diegans will be getting a notice with their water bills, alerting them of a public hearing about a proposed increase in their water rates. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado has details. Lisa Salaya, the assistant executive director for the city's public utility department, says they're simply passing on the increase they're seeing from the San Diego County Water Authority, where they buy almost 90 percent of their water. We understand the impact of rate increases on our customers, especially our most vulnerable during these challenging times. Lisa Marie Harris, the finance director and treasurer with the San Diego County Water Authority, says they're paying higher costs for their water and energy, too. She says they've already tapped into their reserves and federal funds to offset those costs. If they hadn't, customers would be seeing double-digit increases. It's critical that we not only have a reliable source of water, but that we also have an affordable source of water. The public hearing will be held in September. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. A free mental health program is improving the lives of immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers in San Diego. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer says the program has been effective and is now serving as a role model across the country. Nyadoth Gatkwoth is the daughter of refugees from South Sudan who is looking for help in a support system in San Diego. She found it in a group called Girl Talk. Um, having Girl Talk, it's kind of just like, I don't necessarily go to a therapist, but like that's kind of like my therapy in a sense. The monthly support group is designed for South Sudanese women. You know, these are women who I see myself in. So it's basically kind of like a mirrored experience when I am in that space. I see people who are me and I see and, I, and I'm able to um, 
I'm able to, you know, empathize with what they're going through and sympathize as well. Girl Talk is organized by United Women of East Africa, or UW East. Sympathy and empathy are just part of what's offered. They talk about housing issues, they talk about food insecurity issues and so on and so forth. And so I think what this program has done is expanded what mental health means. UW East is one of several agencies in the San Diego Refugee Coalition's Behavioral Health Initiative. It's the first peer-based, non-clinical mental health program to provide free, specialized services for immigrants, refugees and asylum seekers. The program's counselors speak 13 different languages and are all refugees or immigrants themselves. People feel comfortable to talk to somebody who can understand the culture, who speak their languages. Dilkwaz Ahmed is the CEO of License to Freedom, an organization that's taken the lead on providing mental health services to refugees in San Diego. In the past year alone, the Behavioral Health Initiative has helped over 2,000 people. But stigmas around finding help are still very prevalent in the communities these groups serve. Promised Land is with the Karen Organization of San Diego. You know, for our parents and old generation, they never really like get to really think about their mental health when they were in like refugee camp because they really think about like survival and stuff. So it's a new thing, you know, you move here to the United States and then it's a different battle, um, you know, fighting mentally. Behavioral health specialist Nayamal Wall counsels refugees and facilitates the Girl Talk support group. I think they're assimilating every day and even though a lot of refugees from South Sudan have been here since like the early 90s, it's still like an everyday struggle for them. The initiative offers one-on-one -on -one counseling, educational workshops, and essential resource navigation. Over on a weekly basis I'll meet with it, I can meet with anyone, like I can meet with older adults who don't really speak much English and I can meet with young women and just um, help counsel them and talk to them about anything. And those talks are making a difference for young women like Yaquoth. I, I lost a sister earlier this year and so just having that space to be able to talk about what I'm experiencing and having other sensitive individuals who have lost siblings or have lost somebody close to them and having that safe space to be able to you know speak about what you're going through and just having people with that shared experience it means a lot and it's very important to me. Wall says the Girl Talk model is starting to grow and more southern Sudanese women across the U.S or coming together to talk about their mental health. That we've been able to like expand Girl Talk to other states outside of California. There's mostly um, South Sudanese in the Midwest, so like Nebraska, Iowa, um, North Dakota, South Dakota. So like we've been able to like reach out to more young women. And Ahmed at License to Freedom says that's just what they want to see for the Behavioral Health Initiative. Other organization can come and. Uh, take some of the, the lesson that what works and why this program is successful. It's because it came from the people themselves. For those worried about seeking help, Gakwoth has a message. You know, no matter how small your issue is, just reach out, tell somebody, and there's always somebody willing to give you, you know, an open ear and uh, who with open hearts to be able to accept whatever you're saying, they'll also be able to help you with whatever you're going through. The Behavioral Health Initiative services are free and people looking for help can learn more at San Diego Refugee Communities.org. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at KPBS.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thank you so much for joining me and have a wonderful day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.